Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. My name is Jim Cook, one of the pastor elders here at Neighborhood Bible Church. Um, we are going to be continuing our series in the book of Acts. Uh, it's called Church Activate. It's really about how the early church began to spread at the ascension of Jesus Christ, beginning in Jerusalem, going to all the world. Uh, this morning, though, we will be um, being in Acts chapter 10. And I've titled this, um, Two Worlds Collide, Barriers Broken, Both Sides Win. We'll see the incredible faithfulness of God breaking down all the barriers as he brings salvation not to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. This is great news for all the world to see. Now, I know you may be thinking we skipped skipped an important chapter in chapter 9, 8, 9, and then 10. We're in 10 today. We skipped 9 the conversion of Saul. But don't fret, Dave will be here next week. Uh, so come back next week and hear an excellent message about the conversion of Saul. Before we continue, though, I'd like to take a couple, about 20, 30 seconds, kind of quiet ourselves down. I'd like to see, ask the Lord, where do you want to take me this morning, Lord? What do you want me to get out of this text? We'll be about, spend about 20, 30 seconds quiet time, and I'll open up in prayer and we'll get going. So let's take about 20, 30 seconds. Father, I do thank you for who you are. Um, I thank you for the word that you've given us. Um, You did not leave us uh, to be on our own. I remember talking to a friend. um, He said, has God, is he an absentee landlord? And Father, you have left the Holy Spirit to be with us. You have given us a word that we can meditate on. Uh, that we could saturate our hearts in, uh, you have not left us. And I thank you that you go before us to prepare a path. I pray for the eyes of our hearts to be open this morning, that you would speak to us uh, in just a way that would change our hearts as we leave here today, that we would uh, be the praise of your glory to the world, uh, that as you draw people unto us, uh, we'd be mighty in proclaiming your name. I thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to start off with a, a little story. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, a good friend of mine and I, you see, we, this is when I had more days off in the middle of the week, and we'd meet in the morning time about 9 o'clock. We'd go through some scripture, and it was really a good time of discipleship and f- fellowship with each other, and it was this awesome time, too. It was, it was at a Starbucks, the one on Blossom Hill and, and Cooser, and, and we had our big Bibles. I'm sure people thought we were studying attorneys or something at law, but yeah, it's the law of Jesus Christ we were studying. And I love it. It does kind of put us out there. It's just an opportunity for people to ask, hey, what are you guys reading? What are you doing? Uh, many times it was Christians. It was just a, a time just to encourage other Christians to go out and be preaching the gospel. And, and we did have some radical conversations. We did have some sketchy conversations as well. But I remember a time uh, we, we were finishing up and, and um, this young man comes up to us. He looked a little disheveled. He had teardrop tattoos under his eyes and and uh, so he comes up, he's all, what are you guys doing? We told him we're, ta- we're reading through the Bible, and, and um, he proclaims to tell us that, you know, I, I've been in gangs, uh, I just got out of prison. You see, this guy is probably mid-20s, uh, late-20s. He said, but I gave my life to Christ when I was in prison. And I literally, I think he got out that day, I literally think, I think someone had dropped him off at Starbucks. I'm sure this is God's divine plan, but... We're there, and, and uh, he says, you know, I'm trying to change my life. I, I really want to go in another direction, and I want to follow Jesus. And he seems sincere. 
But uh, he said, I was there. We offer him help. We give him money, which I usually don't do. But, but he said, no, you know what? I, I need help. Can you drive me to North San Jose um, and, and help me get a hotel room there? I, I, great. That's awesome. Let's do it. Uh, but my buddy said, you know, I, I got to do some stuff. I can't do it right now. And, and so here I am. I start thinking and like, Lord, okay, I want to help this guy, but who knows? Maybe he's trying to pull the wool over my eyes and, and he's trying to lure me into a spot to take me to be with his buddies and, and um, maybe to rob me and leave me for dead. I mean, that's literally, I was thinking, Lord, is this my last day here on earth? And I was talking to my wife about it. I, went, I, I told the guy, I said, look, I can help you, but I got some errands to run. So I go back home, and, and um, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Like, Lord, I want to be faithful to you. I don't want to fear man. I, I fear you. And um, so I, I do a drive-by. I'm kind of hoping that maybe he leaves, right? Maybe someone else takes him, and, but he's still there. He's sitting there. And I'm sure he's looking like, okay, this guy told me his word. He's going to come back. And, and so sure enough... Uh, I pray, and, and God brings to mind, I love this about prayer with God, like, he knows it all, and so he, he brings to mind a good buddy of mine, you guys know him, Jesse Ash, he's a, he's a cop, um, he loves the Lord, and I thought, man, I'm going to give him a call. So I give Jesse a call, and he drops everything, he's all, sure, Jim, I'm coming up, I'll be there right with you, and I told him the story, we prayed beforehand, and we did pick this guy up, and th- this guy's mood did change, I don't know what he had in mind, but... Uh, we did take him up. We dropped him off. We got a hotel room for him. And, and uh, I, it just blew me away. Like, Lord, you call us to help people. We judge people. Um, and for good reason, right? I'm not saying just to jump into things. Um, but it was cool because God gave me an outlet of ministry to do with someone. And I just wonder that day, can, how about you? Are you an outlet for someone who needs something done and you're willing to drop everything and come to them? Well, it's just, it's just nice to know that we have other people. And I know there's a lot of you in here that I could give a phone call and you're going to drop what you're doing and come. Now, I asked a couple of questions, and this all relates to the passage. Um, but one of the questions I have is, how far would you go to inconvenience yourself for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe next door, maybe across the city. How about all the way down south, if that were to be the case? And the next question I have, without a doubt, is um, who would you minister with? If you knew that you had something that was greater than you, and God does this to us, I think we like to take everything on ourselves, but who would you call? Maybe one friend, a couple, five. I know a lot of people don't. They, they go through tough times, and they don't have people to call. Um, that's why we need to saturate ourselves around with people. And lastly, are you prepared to tell people about Jesus? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Many times it's putting yourself out there, Jesus is going to come and and he's going to speak to you. Well, this brings to our monumental passage in the book of Acts today. I encourage you, uh, open up to Acts chapter 10. Um, This is an event we're about to read. It changes the course of history. It galvanizes Christianity as the one and only true religion for all people. This may seem like another amazing story of Peter preaching the gospel of Jesus, and it is. But it's the passage, it's an incredible bridge for people of all the world to come to a saving relationship through Jesus. And this passage, may you not, 
It's not just about the conversion of the Gentiles. It's also about the conversion of Peter. You might think, well, wait, Peter's a Christian, though. Yes, I get it. Um, I think something interesting to to realize, and and we notice it about ourselves, is that um, we have attitudes. And and we look at people in different ways. God had to change Peter's attitude about who he was as a Jew, because back in that day, Jews thought they were better than Gentiles. It wasn't supposed to be that way. But that, that was the attitude that he had. He, Jews thought that, that the Gentiles were unholy and they were unclean. Basically, the, the Jews represented the holy things of God, which God did choose them to reveal himself through. But they also thought that Jew, Gentiles represented the things of the world, which they do. But Peter has to overcome this prejudice, and we'll see. Uh, we're going to go through four sections here. Um, I do have it up on the screen, so you can see that there. But um, we're going to read and we're going to talk about it. We'll go through this. So Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. It says here, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that would be about three o'clock, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him and say, Cornelius. And he stared at terror in terror at him. And he says, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and he related everything to them, and once he did, he sent them off to Joppa. Now, just to give you some context to the story, the events of Acts spans about 30 years. Um, it's, it's guesstimated about from the time of the resurrection to this here in chapter 10. It's about seven to ten years after um, I know we read through the book and we think, oh, this has got to be within months or years, but it's about seven to ten years after the, the ascension of Christ. And, and be it no too, if you were to go into the churches, they were Jewish Christians. You wouldn't see Gentiles in the synagogue or the church. They, in the church, they would be mostly Jewish Christians at this time. Now we have the setting, uh, Caesarea, you can see up there. It's about 50 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Uh, this is a coastal city in the Mediterranean. It's not to be confused with Caesarea Philippi. And because of that, to distinguish it, it was known as Caesarea Maritima, meaning by the sea. So Caesarea by the sea. Um, this would be the headquarters for the Roman capital, the province of Judea. And this is where the Roman governor Judea would call home. It got its great name from King Herod. Uh, and he later, he named it after Caesar Augustus, hence Caesar, Caesarea. Also, you may remember Pontius Pilate. He was the governor of Rome. He was headquartered here in Caesarea, and he would go to Jerusalem to put Jesus to death. He was the one that sentenced him to death. Uh, this is also, you'll see at Caesarea at the end of Acts, Paul will be here, and he has an opportunity to preach the gospel to King Agrippa. Now, Cornelius, who was he? Um, there's a picture of Caesarea Maritima, by the way. It's a beautiful landscape. Of course, it's on the ocean. Um, 
But here we have Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. Uh, he was known. This is the, the the centurions were part of what's called the Italian cohort, uh, which was greater part of a legion. A legion would be about six thousand soldiers. A cohort was about six hundred soldiers. So a centurion ruled over about a hundred soldiers. Uh, and Cornelius was this centurion. Um, a centurion was the least of all the Roman leaders, but in a powerful army. But they were the highest rank as a soldier. As a soldier, you would attain to be a centurion. These guys were pretty brave. They were fierce. Uh, They were known as killing efficient machines. They were the boots on the ground, if you will. Uh, They were quite intimidating, and they were feared by the Jews for good reason, though. They were there to make lives miserable for the Jews. They were part of the, the Roman Empire that was there to destroy the Jews. This position as a centurion, it did afford a wealthy lifestyle, and it had a lot healthy respect and honor from citizens. And as one note, I love this, um, Cornelius's name means little horn, and horn in the scripture means power. So basically, Cornelius, he has little power in a great army, hence being a centurion of this great Roman army. By the way, there are two other centurions uh, that they're in favorable light into the Bible. If you remember in Matthew 8, there's a centurion at Capernaum who um, he tells Jesus he has a paralyzed servant at home. Jesus says, I'll come. He says, no, go, I trust that your word will be done, that you'll heal him. And Jesus says of all things, man, um, he marveled that he had not seen faith like that in Israel. Kind of condemning to the Israelites who their God was, was the very God that Jesus came from. Another centurion in, in Mark 15, uh, he was mentioned as well. He's at the cross of Jesus and after he saw the death of Jesus, this centurion, a Gentile, he looked at Jesus, he said, surely this is the Son of God. Well, it says here that Cornelius, remember Roman centurions are fierce, they're brave, they're intimidating, they're an efficient killing machine. It says here that he was actually a devout man. He feared God, he generously gave alms, which would mean he'd generously give to the poor, and he prayed always. Um, This was a man, and in verse 22, we'll see that Cornelius was spoken well of by the Jews as well, which would be, for a Jew to talk well about a Gentile, just wouldn't be. Um, I could just imagine as as he's in this town that he's around a lot of Jews, and obviously he had been influenced by a lot of compassionate Jews who love God. And not just him, look at the the scripture says that, uh, that his whole household... So it's, it's one thing to have power and respect at your work. It's another to have it at home. My girls are sitting over here. Um, they know my life more than any of you. They see how I respond under pressure. I could come up here and look all good to you, say all these things, but my daughters, they know the real truth. And hopefully it matches up for what you see here. And that should always be the case. I just want to note something too, God-fearer that talks about here. This was a term that the, the Jews used of Gentiles, um, the Gentiles that would come to faith in their God. Um, they were supportive of the Jewish faith. They were, they were amicable with the Jews, but they did not actually confirm the whole lifestyle of being a Jew. Can you imagine 30, 40 years old and you were called to be circumcised? That... So there's a lot of reasons they didn't, but even if a Gentile fully conformed to this lifestyle, the Jews would not eat with them. They would not bring them in their household. They would not eat with them. 
It was a, a dirty thing to consider. It was, they were considered unclean. Well, it's interesting because although Cornelius would serve the same God, there's that spiritual divide. I think you could see that. Cornelius was a praying man. And you see, one day in the afternoon, while he's in prayer, God sends him an angel. I just want to make sure, no, when, when you see an angel in Scripture, be ready. Life is about to change. History is possibly about to change. Uh, we, I think about 18 angel occurrences in the, in the New Testament. But um, and we remember an angel appeared before John the Baptist was born, before Jesus was born. But this angel appears in a vision. It says that Cornelius was terrorized, which rightfully so. Um, and this is what he says. He's all, what is it, Lord? Now, I could imagine this, um, an angel coming into your house. It's like, uh, close the closets, shut the bathroom door, uh, shut my dresser drawers. Like, don't look in there. Can you imagine the terror? And, and most angels, you look in Scripture, say, fear not. There's a very reason that we should honorably be fair, fearful of these angels. Um, but there's nothing we can hide from God, right? You see, God sees everything, and it's kind of reassuring because there's nothing that I need to hide from God. Now, Cornelius is told um, to send for Simon Peter, but he doesn't understand why. Um, Cornelius' faith, though, would obey the angel's word, and he would send his faithful servants to find this man, Peter. Oh, and by the way, you're probably wondering, why doesn't the angel just tell him about Jesus then and there? How much easier would that be? Well, first of all, that's not the job of angels. Um, According to Hebrews 1, verse 14, it says that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve those who to our inherit salvation. It says that angels, um, they do not have the responsibility of preaching the gospel. God has given that to you and I, right? He's given it to to men and women to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Uh, In fact, this is the third chapter in a row where God used people to preach the gospel instead of supernatural means. We saw earlier in Acts 8, uh, the Spirit speaking to, to Philip, and Philip goes down to the Ethiopian eunuch. We even had, and Dave will talk about next week in Acts 9, Jesus appears to Saul. And Saul is told to go and see Ananias. Ananias comes and lays his hands on him. And we see here Peter does a work of, of, of sharing the gospel. And he's inconvenienced to come this way to share the gospel. But what wonderful news it is to preach. Um, just understand, Christianity is a relationship with God which is taught by other Christians. We are not born into Christianity. Uh, we don't inherit it from our parents. Uh, the scriptures make it very clear that you and I are to commission to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. This, of course, is with help from the Holy Spirit himself. He is the one that leads and guides us. And one more thing to, to notice about this passage, um, the, the first couple passages, he had, he had a couple servants and he had a devout soldier, and this, the passage, the way that you read it in the Greek is that these guys were sold out after God as well. And they, they were faithful to Cornelius. Cornelius sent them off, and they were ready to go. Well, let's continue to read verse 9. We got here verse 9 through 23. Um, it says, The next day as they were on their journey, and they're approaching the city of Joppa, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour. This would be about 12 o'clock. Peter goes up to pray. Verse 10, and he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. 
But that while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, and he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending. It was let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But what's Peter's response? By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. He says, Peter, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision had been, um, behold, these men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, they stood at the gate. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was Peter, was lodging there. Verse 19, and while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit says to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them to you. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason you are coming here for? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, he directed us by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So now we move the scene down to Joppa. Uh, It's about 30 miles south of Caesarea. This would be about 30 miles uh, northwest of Jerusalem. Yeah, early we saw it on the map there. But... um, this is where it was told that the Simon, Simon Peter would be staying here with a, a man named Simon the Tanner. It's pretty specific. Like, this is where the house would be. And, and um, this city is one of the, the oldest cities in ancient history. Uh, I don't know if you remember in, in um, Jonah, the book of Jonah. This is where God had commissioned Jonah to preach to the Ninevites, but he went here to Joppa. And then he tried to sail off, but God had other plans for him. Uh, this is quite in contrast to what Peter does. Peter responds to the message. But uh, you might think, Simon the Tanner, uh, is this a guy who bathes in the sun? I mean, look, you got the beautiful beach, you got the sun. But that's not what that means here. A tanner is a leather maker. He would treat animal hides to make this leather. Um, ironically, the Jews would consider this to be unclean. Uh, Peter, however, had no problem with this. Uh, it seems that maybe to stay with a Jew is considered unclean was okay, but potentially you'd have issues with a, a God-fearing Gentile. We all have those issues in our, our lives, I'm sure. Um, yeah, we all have contradicting ideologies at work, but it's easy to point fingers at others, right? So easily we could, we could tell people, oh, they shouldn't do that. But I've always loved it. Three fingers are pointing back at us. Who are we to judge another man's servant? We are, to, uh, we are just to worry about ourselves. Um, but it says here, as the servants of Cornelius were coming down to Joppa, we read about Simon Peter and his works with God. This is the great apostle, albeit, that he walked with Jesus during his ministry. Uh, this is the very Peter who was rebuked by Jesus multiple times, and he would deny Christ three times. So no, no wonder that the, the story had to come to him three times. But Christ would restore Peter and encourage him to know that he would be one of the pillars of the church. The reason we are sitting here today, the, the, the faithfulness of Peter to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, it's about lunchtime. It's 12 o'clock. He's a little hungry. Uh, Peter goes up to, to go pray. And, and back in the day, it was common to have what's a, a flat roof. It was kind of like a patio to hang out on. And, 
And he goes up there to pray, and he gets a little hungry. It's easy when we get hungry to get distracted, but, but God would use this hunger to reveal a mystery to him. As you see, Peter falls into a trance, not quite the vision that, that um, Cornelius would have, but it's a supernatural appearance. Uh, it, it's definitely a supernatural event, but Peter would see the heavens open up. And on it, he sees this sheet with, with animals that were clean, that were unclean. Um, and there came a voice that said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And obviously he tells the Lord no. Um, and, and these animals would represent foods which would make a Jew ceremonial unclean. But um, Peter would have nothing to do with violating scripture. And he, of all things, would like, no, Lord, I'm not going to do this. But the, the vision had to tell him several times, no, it's okay. What I've called, what I've cleansed, do not call common or unclean. Um, you can make a big deal about this appeals, people, <laughs> Peter saying no to the Lord. Um, but when we look at the, the life of Peter, he's compassionate. He is devoted to God. I just wonder how many times in our lives through our devotions to God, we get so out in front of God that we do things. That it's not that it's sin per se, but, but we get ahead of the Lord and we do things that maybe we're not supposed to do or we don't do things that we should do. But again, we need to only look at our own lives and see, are we obedient to God as he wants us to be? You see, God doesn't want us to be ro- robots. He doesn't want us to be legalistic. He wants a genuine relationship with each of us. And here the angel of the Lord is, is revealing a mystery to Peter, which is yet to be understood. This mystery, though, is that the Gentiles are no longer to be considered unclean or common. What God has cleansed, do not call common. Now, don't under mis- misunderstand the text here. Um, it's not saying that, oh, these Gentiles are saved now. No, it's just the different attitudes that, that uh, Jews and Gentiles had. Um, the Jews, Gentiles were second-class citizens, basically. Now, if you look at the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, you'll have a better understanding of the terms holy and common, but just know right here that God is telling Peter no longer the Gentiles to be considered common and unclean, um, but that they can have fellowship with Jesus just unabatedly as the Jews have fellowship as well. Well, just as Peter's trying to question, kind of figuring out what this is all about, these men from, from uh, Cornelius, from Caesarea, come down, and Peter obeys the Spirit. He goes down, and he, he sees these men, and, and he would know for sure that these guys are Jews by the way that they're, excuse me, that they're Gentiles, uh, just by the way that they were dressed. But, um, and he asks them, uh, why are you guys here? And they respond to him, look, our, our, our master, basically Cornelius, had a vision from God, and he was told to send to you to bring him back to home. I just wonder if you catch that, that um, it's, it's just interesting that he would have, instead of the centurion going to Peter's house, he has Peter come up there. It's about a 30-mile walk. Um, they didn't have Teslas back in the day. They didn't have BMW motorcycles. Um, they had to walk. I'm sure they didn't have Nikes. Maybe, maybe it's that old, but they had to do the walk. They were inconvenienced for the gospel, but Peter responded without hesitation. Um, he was conforming to the genuine love of Jesus Christ. Um, and I think at this time, Peter begins to realize what is taking place, and um, he invites these guys in, and they have a wonderful evening. The, 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 he entertains them, which would not, a, a Jew would not do that. 
And the basic thing here is that um, he's, the, to entertain him, would have him stay the night. And it's pretty impressive. So I got this picture up here. Um, the stage is being set. Two worlds are about to collide. It will change the course of history forever. The clash is mighty. It's a Roman centurion, and you got the, the beloved Jewish community of, of the apostle Peter. And so this is a prize fight, and the contestants have just been introduced. It just reminds me, a couple years ago, um, there was a fight. This is Floyd Mayweather. It's Conor McGregor. Uh, one was a pure boxer. The other was an ultimate fighter. And it really was about these two disciplines coming together. Uh, Conor McGregor, they thought, oh, he's this ultimate fighter. Um, he's a boxer as well. Maybe he can come, and we'll see who's the better discipline. Um, the fight, when it was over, Roger or uh, Floyd Mayweather, the guy on the, the right, he was the one that won the fight. I mean, that's, he's a boxer, right? He got $130 million, the, the, the cash purse. McGregor got $30 million. Um, but you know what? The, fighter, the, the fight was greater than these two men. It, it was deeper. It was really about the disciplines. And that's kind of what's going on here. It's not about Peter. It's not about Cornelius. It's deeper than that. It's a spiritual warfare that's going on. Uh, I want to move along here. Um, verses 23 through, through 33. It says here that the next day he rose... Um, this is Peter and, and these men. They rose, they went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, of course, and he called all his relatives together. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted it up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered, and he says to them, This is Peter. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask you then, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius, this is what they said. Cornelius said, this is Cornelius. They're at Cornelius' home. And he says, look, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and, and you have been kind enough to come to me. So now you can see that the stage has been set. Um, Peter's walking with his entourage. Um, he's going back to Caesarea. And um, he's, it will say later in Acts that he has six, six of his brothers with him. He has these two servants. He has the, the, um, the soldier of, of, of a Cornelius going with him as well. And, and they make this trek up to Caesarea uh, for this tremendous encounter. We could only imagine what was being said during the walk up there. But um, I just imagine this. I mean, I love doing this. As, as I'm reading scripture, I try to understand, like, I just imagine looking into the, the, the gates of heaven and the angels are peeling through. They're seeing these men walk up to Caesarea and they, they're wondering, what is God going to do here? You know, here's a, a big encounter. Um, I'm reminded of Ephesians 6, 12. It says, you see, our battle is not against, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, Satan and his minions would want nothing more than for a meeting of these two cultures to fall flat on its face. 
for a real disaster to occur. But God has other plans. You see, when Peter enters Cornelius' house, what does Cornelius do? Immediately he bows down to them, but Peter picks him up, right? I think Peter has realized at this time, um, he's all, look, I'm just a man just like you. And not only does he, he elevates him to his level, he's not looking down on him anymore. He's telling, he's telling Cornelius, look, God has broken the barrier between us. Um, these, both of these men are called to serve the risen Savior Jesus on equal standing. Neither was above or below each other. Uh, they were both made in the image of God. I think once we realize these prejudices that we can kick out in our lives, that, that we will look at people and we'll know that all people have an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus is not for just a select few, but he is for all of us. <coughs> I think at this time, Peter still doesn't know why he is here, and that's why he asked Cornelius, and, and um, Cornelius basically opens up to him, and he, he says, look, um, God told me to bring you here, and, and that you would tell me all things of the Lord, and, and, um, and so here it is. I mean, what a gift to an evangelist or a preacher. Someone comes to you, they want to hear about Jesus. I feel so many times we have to cast the rod, we have to try and get people to bite on little things. Um, but, but God is setting this up and it's wonderful when people come up and say, tell me, Jim, I know you're a Christian. I know you're a follower of Jesus. Tell me about this God. And this is what, so Peter is, he's ready. He's prepared. And this is what he says. Verse 34, Peter opens his mouth and he begins to talk. And he says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. For the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we, we are witnesses of what he did in both the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God the Father to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in his name, he receives forgiveness of sins through his names. Peter just basically lays it out, and he basically tells that, hey, look, this is Jesus. We were with him. We were witnesses. We beheld his flesh. Uh, He walked this earth. He lived a perfect life. Uh, He went to the cross uh, to pay for the penalty of our sins. And not only that, but he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Um, he rose from the dead to show his authority to know that we could have eternal life to, to those that believe in him. And now Peter understands his assignment for God that he has for him. Open his mouth and proclaim the gospel. I tell you guys, there's nothing better when you have a chance to tell people about Jesus. And you've heard it before. Have an elevator testimony. Maybe it's 30 seconds you have with someone. Um, have a three to five minute testimony. Maybe you're at the bus stop or in the grocery store. And then be prepared to hang with people. Preaching the gospel is not just a moment thing. It's a lifelong lesson. Um, Peter encourages, he continues to tell Cornelius and his entourage um, that Jesus is Lord of all. He is the one that brings all things together. 
Um, I love this verse too because it brings the Trinity perfectly into display here. It shows God the Father loved God the Son through the anointing of God the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to speed through here for time. I know we've got a couple minutes. But this is what happens after he preaches the gospel to Cornelius and his family and friends there. It says, verse 44, <coughs> While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on him and all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, those are the Jews, who had come with Peter, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues, and they were extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked him to remain for days. Now this cultural class ends with the Gentiles being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's just not all. They were glorifying God speaking in tongues. You see, tongues is typically... Um, to preach to non-believers, uh, but it's also to, to extol God, but this is what they were doing here. This, I think, reminds us of the day of Pentecost when the Jews were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the Gentiles are here. Now it brings the, the two as one, and, and I guarantee you, you either in here, you're a Jew or a Gentile, and this opens up Jesus to all of us. I think initially we have this idea that the Jews were only for God, but God had always meant for his Jews to display his glory to the world that people would come to him. It's kind of flipped now, I think. Like, as Christians, we kind of hold the gospel to ourselves. The gospel's for everyone. It's not meant for us to hold it. It's meant to tell others about Jesus and allow them an opportunity to walk with him. Whether you're male or female, um, no matter what background you come, no matter what culture or ethnicity uh, Jesus is for everyone. And you see here, this is where Jesus breaks down those cultural barriers. So you see these two worlds collide. And to me, it's, it's really the spiritual world as the fleshly world that we're looking at. Jesus bridges that gulf. He brings them together so that all people of all nations come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, and the last thing to notice here is that they're baptized. And I encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come talk to one of us here. Ask your neighbor how to have a relationship with Jesus, and we will walk you through that. And it, it talks about, we, t- we believe in, in, once you come to Christ, to be baptized. We believe in be- believing faith baptize, b- baptism. So if you come to Christ, you've never been baptized, talk to us. We would love to do that and help you to get baptized. Um, Really quick, just a couple applications here. Um, read the Word of God, guys, and hear directly from Him. This is the supernatural Word of God. This is God's Word. And we don't need those visions from angels. We can hear it right here, read it, and hear it from Him. And also, number two, be quick to respond and obey. What God tells us to do, be ready, be quick to obey. Number three, fellowship with other believers. He's called us to be in, in relationship with others. Um, how wonderful it is when we go through situations. It's not just for us. It's for others. How selfish it would be of me to do ministry and not invite you guys in. And the last thing, always be ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ. There's many tools you can read. Um, you got Peter's uh, proclamation right here, 1 Corinthians 15 by Paul. That's an excellent one. But... Um, 
If, yeah, if you want to learn it, there's many ways to do it. Come talk to us. But um, I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, that your word goes out to all people, not to, just to us who uh, follow you, Jesus. Um, I just pray for us to open the eyes of our hearts to your wisdom and understanding, that we'd walk in a manner worthy of you, bearing fruit with every good work, attaining to the full knowledge of who you are, uh, just as we display your goodness to the world. And we just send you out in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.